Welcome back, everyone. This is Mind, Heart, Muscle. Today, I'm joined with Ron White and our friend, Cody Ringel. Cody's a badass entrepreneur, owner of uh, CrossFit Angola, Fortitude Strength. Um, he's also a really great podcast host, um, just started a podcast called Unreasonable as Fuck. Can I say that? Right. Absolutely. I, I remember when you first uh, put it out there and it was that, and then you had to change the name. Am I correct? Yeah. So we actually, for, uh, for Apple, and I still haven't gotten on the <laughs> Apple podcast yet, but uh, apparently the deal is that you could say as fuck, but you can't self-censor. So you can't put an asterisk in the, uh, in the F asterisk CK. Okay. And you wanted that to kind of branded a little differently yeah give it a yeah. little bit of like nuance a little so we we switched it to unreasonable af and uh People still working it, right? on apple <laughs> yeah we we had you know when we started this over a year ago man a year and a half we've been doing this one um i couldn't figure out how to get onto spotify so we were on apple for a long time mm. and uh and then we finally uh i finally made the time and <laughs> and studied a little bit on this, on this, uh, the podcast world and gone That's onto awesome. all the platforms, rebranded, changed things. Yeah. We use anchor, we use anchor in the beginning. It was uh, a little different about when they first started, uh, but awesome, man. Um, how do you define fortitude? So if we look at the Webster's definition, fortitude is the strength of mind that enables a person to encounter danger, bear pain, or overcome adversity with courage. You got that, that yeah. right on your head. Do you have that open on your phone right now or do you have that memorized? I have a version of it memorized. That was on our first shirt, man. That's that was awesome. the back of our first t-shirt. It was, uh, I, I, I simplify it these days and it's now one's ability to overcome adversity with grace and courage. Yo, that's awesome. It's people get the word courage wrong, right? They think that courage is the lack of fear. And it's not. Courage is actually noticing the fear, embracing it, and doing the thing anyway. It's tough. It's real tough. And if we're talking about the fitness space, we present an opportunity for micro doses of adversity every single day in a controlled setting, in something like the gym. By doing that, I believe a human being becomes better able to deal with the adversities of the real world. Because if we're not doing this thing to make you better out there, what the fuck are we doing? Doesn't make any sense. So Fortitude has been the name from day one. Um, we were a CrossFit affiliate for five years. You know, I tried uh, back in the day, we tried to get CrossFit Fortitude and that was already taken. So we branded as Fortitude Strength and Conditioning, the home of CrossFit Coldwater. Talk about a mouthful. Hmm. Over the years, we've, uh, we've kind of whittled it down and got more clarity refined, and it's Fortitude Strength these days. Is, is Fortitude something that you had at the time or something you were working on at the time? If you would have asked me that question in 2015, 
my arrogant self would have said, Oh, I got it. I've got it 100%. Right. Um, and I didn't. It's something that I imagine we're always a work in progress on. Adversity presents itself differently all the time. And being able to do a hard workout, right? Overcome an air quotes hard workout is often considered strength. I know a lot of people who can do a lot of hard workouts who are broken inside. Yo, I was one mm. of them for a long time. For sure. I was when we started this thing. And we now try to focus on all aspects, right? So body, mind, character. That's the fortitude strength uh, triangle these days. Where does character come into play? Uh, integrity. Integrity is one of our core values. It's actually on the wall behind me. Um, I see that. Board, yeah. Right. So um, we pride, we, we pride ourselves on being what we call a community that is fit. F-I-T. Fortitude, integrity, and thankfulness. Yo, that is awesome. You got the branding, the marketing all dialed in, man. I love it. We've tried. It's, it's taken uh, six years to refine. It was easy to come up with, and it was more difficult to live into. Mm -hmm. Was there a major culture shift for this to happen? Yes, and over time, the biggest shifts came when we started to live into them rather than uh, just make it cool to put on a wristband, a t-shirt on the wall and on social media, right? Integrity is a really interesting word because a lot of people like to use it. Enron had integrity on their wall of their <laughs> corporate office. Yeah. Mm. To us, integrity means doing the right thing for the right people for the right reasons, dot, 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 regardless. Yep. It's tough. That needs to influence how we operate as a business. And it becomes a filter for the type of people who get to work here, the type of people who choose to work out here. That's not easy. That's a difficult thing for some people to wrap their minds around when they sign up to join a gym, right? And we find that uh, it helps us self-select a little bit. It actually makes the community self-selecting. Do you have an interview process in that, uh, you know, questions that you ask people to self-select themselves, whether or not they can become members of Fortitude? Yeah, man. All of our members start with a consultation. So it, it's very close to uh, what we've learned from Active Life, uh, mixed with what I would consider a goal session. So people who come in, well, you know, what are your goals? What are the things you're looking for? And if it sticks very surface level, I had, I had a, um, a guy one time come in and was telling me his number one priority was, uh, was to balance out the, uh, the teardrops on his quads, right? Make one the same size as the other. And uh, though I love very specific fitness goals, we just couldn't get to anything deeper. And we learned that this, brother, this probably isn't the right place to help you. Because we're going to ask you to do things that 
may not be in alignment with that very specific goal, like a ton of personal training. And what I find with clients like that is a lot of times they'll come in and they'll already know all of the answers. If you already know what to do, I can't really help you that much. You're going to be paying way too much for, uh, for what we're going to be able to offer. Why do you think so many people are um, motivated intrinsically like that? We run into it all the time. I've said no, or they've said no, or mm. both. Um, often because of that, um, that lack of deeper commitment to themselves. Yeah. It's hard, right? We just actually posted about this. On, it's difficult. It requires, it, it, it requires fortitude. You have to look at yourself very honestly. You have to look into what are my motivations? I don't imagine that most people have honest conversations with themselves on a day-to-day -day basis because it requires peeling back layers of the onion being slightly uncomfortable. And if you've built this, this caricature of yourself, the aesthetics only, the, well, they'll, they'll like me if I do this. I'll get all the girls if I lose 20. My husband will finally like me again if I lose 30 pounds, if, if they'll look at me that way. That's a road to hell motivator, right? If we're talking about and lifted, that's uh, that's a projection all day. That's seeking something outside of yourself to fill something that only you can fulfill. That never, and binary language acknowledged, that never works out well. Only you can satisfy that for yourself. Now, to do that, you have to have an honest conversation. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, what are the parts of myself that I don't enjoy right now? What do I need to do to correct that? Maybe it's fitness. I've had people that I've referred to professional therapy or counseling rather than joining the gym because we identified that that is what they need. I said, look, it's going to cost you $1,300 for the first 90 days. I imagine that that money would be better spent working with a, a, health, a mental health professional. I bet um, that's a tough pill to swallow when you hear it, especially when you go in and, you know, I've done hundreds of these consultations, likely similar to yours. And, and people are excited when they walk in that door, you know, they walk into the gym, they see the, you know, badass muscular chicks doing handstand pushups and throwing around barbells. And, um, there's a little bit of intimidation, but also excitement and also excitement. And we go upstairs and we talk about goals and we, uh, we talk about life and 
and I start asking the deeper questions and we get, we get, we get into it. And I love the, the sequence of when you hear the, when you hear the goal, like I want to balance out the teardrops on my quads um, or I want to lose eight pounds or something silly, which are, you know, Hey, for some people, absolutely realistic and important depending on where their long-term goals lie. You know, maybe they want to be on stage because it gives them more confidence. Maybe they want to look better naked because they want to, you know, do something for their spouse makes them feel good. When you start asking why and why and why and why. People freeze. They want to stop talking so quickly. Right. It's, it scares the shit out of them sometimes. Um, more so, they scare themselves when they yep. start. And, and man, this, this thought I've been having just in the last couple of days, um, a, a, lot of my, a lot of my walks and uh, my, my workouts outside have been, um, been quiet. Just leave the phone, leave the headphones, you know, especially now that there's snow everywhere, there's silence everywhere. And it's beautiful. So I'll get, um, you know, I'll get these thoughts and, uh, and I think of this, uh, this idea that when we, when we think and when we speak, those are two different pathways to our, our mind and our memories. And sometimes we need to speak, we need to get it out so we can hear ourselves and then reprocess and that's a cycle, right? We, we get stuck in an internal cycle and then the voice is the external cycle that, and not, you know, speaking right now, I'm not thinking before, beforehand, it's just happening and then I hear it. And I think a, a lot of people believe it's the other way around. They think then they speak when we need to speak so that we can have that conversation with ourselves a little bit. It makes the idea of projection really come alive because when we talk to others, we talk to ourselves and then we have to process in our minds, like what is really going on here? And that's a tough pill to swallow for, for a lot of people. It's not done often enough, in my opinion. There's an unconscious level to this whole communication, right? Where it just, it, it, it becomes semi-automatic and we get wrapped. If we're going back into Enlifted stuff, we get wrapped in these stories, right? There's a great book called The Talent Code. That's all about uh, neurons that wire together, fire together, and myelin wrapping um, these neurons. And we become, yeah, perfect. I just, I just downloaded it on Audible. <laughs> nice. I'm about halfway through. Um, the things that we do habitually make up the person that we are, the stories that we tell ourselves habitually make up the people that we are. It's difficult to analyze that critically, right? Mark says one thing, uh, one thing, he told us one thing going through the certification that really stuck with me through the level one was stand up for yourself less and stand up to yourself more. We become so uh, comfortable with 
being a champion of ourselves that we're unwilling, we become at some point in time, unwilling to really dig deep into why this might be important to me. Now, the guy who had the teardrop uh, goal, right? We just identified that, look, man, what you want, you can get somewhere else and you can, you can find somebody who's better at helping you solve this problem than we are. There was no hate. There was no like, oh, bro, that's a stupid goal. I, your goals are your goals. Our obligation, a part of our obligation as a professional fitness facility is to help people do the shit that they want to do. If that means that we're not the right place to help them, cool. I've never done a bodybuilding competition. If he would have came to me and said, I want to do my first CrossFit competition, that's an arena I've played in before. I can help with that. I imagine I could have helped him balance out the teardrops, but I wasn't the best person in the area to do that. And that's important to us. We want to be the best at what we're doing. And when you, when you failed to find a deeper goal with this individual, that's when it became so clear that you needed to tell him, Hey man, you're going to have to go somewhere else, you know, because albeit that I could help you with, what you're after, we do more than that. Yeah. And, and, and uh, that's, that's awesome to, you know, it's, I am excited hearing that because, you know, I recently replied to an email saying, Hey, everything that you're looking for, you're going to get better at this other place uh, down the street. Like if, if they would have, it, it was similar. It was like, they wanted to do CrossFit, but they also wanted to do powerlifting and body lifting, bodybuilding at the same time. And I was like, yo, we only really do CrossFit. Yeah. So, but I know this place that could help you. It's like, you should check them out. So what's it's, really awesome there. Sorry, Ron, were you done? It's cool. I, I just wanted to say it's great. Yeah. To hear, it's great to hear another uh, gym owner just say those words, you know? Leveled up. What's, what, um, what's great is that, and, and this is just for listeners who are not gym owners and not um, coaches and not really in the industry or in this in the entrepreneurial space at all, especially in the in more niche market like we are. The first time that I, I've done something like that, sent somebody somewhere else, I felt amazing because I knew that they were gonna get what they needed. Mm. And I helped them identify exactly what would help them reach their goals. And sometimes it's mental health and sometimes it's another trainer. And sometimes it's, you know, go to a doctor and get a blood panel before we start training. The first time I did that, we did, I did one session with a guy after I sold him like a 12 pack. And in our first session, we did a, you know, a little conditioning. Um, I have a stamina test that I, that I follow through, especially when someone is um, over 50. We want to, I want to test how they, how their intensity can hold up, how they can hold up with intensity. And he was having a lot of trouble breathing. So first I had him go get a COVID test to make sure his heart was okay. And, and that wasn't the issue. And then I had him go for a blood panel and it turned out he was really close to having a heart attack. Wow. And, and so he had to get on, on some more, more intense treatment for his health through a, through a healthcare provider. And 
I knew that we, what we had to do, we had to wait and revisit later. Mm. And it felt good because that took a lot of me letting go of ego to be able to tell someone not yet before money gets transferred. That's much harder because we all need money. We work for this. This is our, this is our bread and butter. Um, I believe though, that when we do that, that's when our integrity shows. For sure. Well, it becomes a question of values, right? Just like you had said, it's the integrity play. It's, it's also a growth mindset. If I have a scarcity mindset as somebody um, doing consultations, I'm only interested in getting as many people in the door as possible, regardless of what their goals are. I'm the right place to help. I'm the guy to do it for you. And that's not accurate. Do you have any idea how many times that bit me in the ass? Dude, every. Oh my gosh. So many times did before developing a process of having a conversation with potential new clients. So many times did people come through our doors that were one, nowhere near in line who I was as a human being. And, mm. and that was before I even really had a clear definition of my values and, you know, the things that I believe to be true. And so for, for anybody listening that is a gym owner and develop a, develop some kind of process when you're letting members, when you're letting people come in to be members, because you're going to let some people get close to you that should not get close to you. And it's going to cause you a lot of pain and just, sorry, I kind of hijacked your thought there for a <laughs> second, man, but huh, like, I just want people to know that it's okay to tell people no. That's perfect. I mean, think it, it doesn't even have to be a gym owner. Think about that personally, right? The type of people that you surround yourself with in your life or the type of people you let into your life, they should share values. They don't have to share every single one. Right. But you need to be aware of the people that you surround yourself with because you're the app. It's the old uh, Les Brown, right? You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. You become your social orbit. And that's just true. And we're very protective of the culture of the gym for that reason. I imagine it would be easier to be a place for everybody. And we were, January of 2020 was our highest revenue um, month ever. So we were probably four months into the pro path, maybe three months, something like that. And we made more money than we ever made. And I was more unfulfilled as a gym owner than I had been at any point in time in my career. And when I started my first six months, I brought home less than $11,000. I know what the struggle was like. And I would have rather gone back to that than make what we made then. Because I'm doing a personal training session. We have a group class going on. I've got these people who have no business doing, um, you know, CrossFit style workouts coming in to do their own thing while class is going on. I've got one guy carrying around a yoke. It was just a monkey fucking a football scenario. <laughs> Because we were the place for everybody. We didn't protect the culture. 
COVID presented us with a unique opportunity, like it did many people, to sit back and go, what is most important to us? And brother, we had pains coming out of COVID. We, we disaffiliated. We defined, all right, these are the things that we're going to do. Um, this is who we are. And we lost members. It, was, it got scary. It got tough. Would you say that you even had a culture pre-pandemic? We did, and it was not intentional. Got it. I believe that culture, community, I think, I don't, I've never loved the word community. And the reason is what people mean when they say community is working out with my friends when my friends work out at the time that works best for me. If they... If it was community, they'd be coming to all different class times. They would be doing all of the social events that we're doing. They'd be interacting with the gym as a whole. So, so then community without culture is, is a bust. You're screwed, man. If you're, we, we now subscribe to a lot like what Stu Brower talks about, right? So build culture and community is the positive byproduct of that. I still use the word community because that's the word that our members use. And we focus internally on driving culture. Did you listen to uh, Sean and Larry's conversation about culture and community on the Active Life podcast? I don't know that I did. You, you would know that you did. It was phenomenal. And, yeah. and, and, uh, and I listened to it like three or four times in a three or four day period. So I could just really soak it in. And, and it really, it really solidified what we're talking about right now. And it solidified the fact that, man, I've ran into the point in this, in this uh, seven years of being a gym owner where I have wanted to tell people no, and I didn't because of the scarcity mindset. And, and when I, when I was like, okay, it's okay. And, and it's also okay to shut down crap that you see going on that you don't want to be allowed within the walls of your facility. And it's, also okay to tell people that they need to go somewhere else if they're being a problem and it's also okay to let people go like if somebody tells you they want to leave it's okay there's like there's more people you know it's just um it comes down to the the scarcity mentality like there are i don't know what the population is where you live uh where I'm at, there are still a lot of people that are unaware that we even exist. Mm -hmm. So if I was worried about every single person that, Hey, I'm not getting what I wanted out of this. So I'm going to go. If they come to me with that kind of situation, I'm going to look at that as an opportunity for a conversation and see where that conversation goes. And then I can say, Hey, we just needed to talk about this. I can help you with that. Or, you know, there's this other place that you can go where they might be able to help you. And I would rather see you go there and get the results that you're looking for than stay here and, you know, not even want to be here. Yeah. The word that you use there, opportunity. 
that's huge. And I just had a conversation with a client last week about this. She had some, so we created a goal board at the gym for Q1 goals. And we had every single member write one to three health and fitness related goals on that board. The conversation um, turned from our, her just doing group class to doing some sort of an individual service, right? Like nutritional coaching or individual design to accomplish these goals. And she was like, what she had said to me initially was, I feel like I've been set up for failure because if I don't take part in one of these things, I'm not going to get my goal. And I told her, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do any one of these. We're not, we're not creating a system that says you have to do individual. You have to do research. We're creating opportunity. And it is then your decision on whether you want to do that or not. And if they make the choice to not follow through, then is their goal really even that important to them? Do they even like, what is their why behind the goal? Yep. And that's what it came down to. And I'm a, I'm a really big why proponent and now working with Mark England directly and listening to him talk about the importance of, of the house, because I'm really big into Simon Sinek and, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and now working with Mark and hearing him say, Hey, you know, I'm a how guy. I'm like, it's, it's, it's been eye opening for me to be like, Hey, that's important too. You know? Mm -hmm. So just because I am a why guy doesn't mean I'm not a how guy as well. So when I help someone define their why, then that's when I can present them with their how. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if they can't dis- define a why, then their goal is really not that big of a goal. Yeah. One of the things that we've, it's, it's asking more questions. It's asking more questions, better questions. I love the question. Um, and this came from active life is, is this a priority for you? Or is it whenever it happens, it happens kind of a thing. And that's what we came to in that session with that client was the first two goals that she had were a priority. And we were already working towards those with general group class. And the third one, which was to get her first pull up was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not really, if I got it, it'd be cool, but I don't really care. Sweet. You don't need to be doing anything else then. And there was a level of appreciation for having that honest conversation. It wasn't trying to sell somebody into something that they did not need or they did not want to do. It was creating an opportunity for them to say yes. Matt looks like he has something to say. Um, No, no, actually, I was just trying. I was referencing a book that I'm reading all about questions and uh no, I wasn't able to find the one I was looking for. That's okay. It'll, it'll, it'll come back to me in a bit. Um, Ron, you said something earlier about how no one, I mean, how there is a lot of people in your town who have no idea who you are. And it got me to this thought about ecosystems that we put ourselves into. Um, and these are all around values too. And uh, yeah, we, we, the three of us, it's likely that we share a lot of values. You know, I see one on your wall that's on my wall too, integrity. That we did 
at least three podcast episodes about integrity. We've talked about on like every <laughs> podcast. Yeah, um, I'll send you that. That was a, that was one of my favorite episodes. A lesson in integrity got oh. the the, mo- the most views, the most listens, not views. Um, anyway, ecosystems. People get into ecosystems unwillingly sometimes. Um, I have a few myself. I have the the gym owner coach podcaster world like you guys um the coaches we did in our coaching course people like that i have all my my jujitsu friends who are way outside the rest of my world it's like i i go into that little room with those guys we share a few similar values and nothing else exists and it's like weaving between these little ecosystems is it's empowering to know that we have options and opportunity elsewhere and we love this discussion of opportunity we just did an episode on that too we're presented with opportunities all the time to try new things meet new people surround yourself with five new friends um, I personally love to diversify my ecosystems because it allows me a lot more opportunity, like exponentially learning from other people who have different values and just, just simply listening and absorbing. And that goes back to the the cult conversation too, cultivating opportunity and cultivating fortitude puts us into things way outside our comfort zone when we enter a new, a new ecosystem, a new group of group of people essentially that believe in one thing, do a certain thing around a certain hobby. And it took me a while to realize that one, it's okay to change your values over time. Some things just lose value to you. Um, character is, is one that's going to stick, right? And a lot of the values that we talked about on our podcasts and I teach in my coaching courses, those are, those are all derivative of character, good character. And good communication skills, that's another one. And then there's others like, and one I recently realized was a was a value of mine is adventure. Getting out into the world and experiencing life for what it has to offer. And I loved your recent episode, Cody. Um, one, you talked about drugs and I've been um, reading a lot about drugs lately and uh, studying, experimenting as well. And you told a story about a, a trip you went on and your encounter with, was it bison? Yeah. Can you, can you elaborate on how you felt in that moment? Maybe give Ron a little backstory too. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear how that shifted. That definitely shifted your perspective on the world. Like, Hey, this oh, the world's a little yeah. bigger than me. <laughs> oh yeah, man. So end of September of 2020, I had a trip that I had been thinking about doing for a very long time, going west, 
right? Go West, young man. It's every, uh, I think every Midwest, uh, Midwest guy's dream to explore the, the great West. I was, I kept putting it off, right? It was going to be my walkabout. Oh, I'll do it next year. I'll do it next year. And one day I just, I said, all right, I got to stop. I got to stop saying I'm going to do this later. I'm going to do it now. So I budgeted two weeks into my schedule and I just left. I rented a car and went through the Dakotas all the way over to Oregon, down California, back through Colorado, did Vegas, all that stuff, and came back to Michigan over the course of two weeks. And it was amazing. I had not spent a lot of time in nature up to this point. I wouldn't say that I naturally gravitated towards going hiking and getting outdoors. So I made it a point on this trip to hit every big national park that I could. I did the Badlands. I did Black Elk. I did Yellowstone. I tried to do Yosemite and Sequoia, but they were closed due to the fires in California at the time. Um, I was in Yellowstone and Yellowstone's a trip, man. It is so big. It took a half of a day to get from the east the east entrance to any uh, any trail that was worth hiking. I ended up staying the night um, there, tent camping, and by the time I had to drive an hour just to get cell reception from the campsite to be able to call and let everybody, hey, I'm fine. So by the time I get back to pop the tent, it's raining. It's about it's dark. It's about 39 degrees. Got maybe six hours of sleep that night. Woke up at the ass crack of dawn, 6 a.m., broke down the site, hit the trail. Something about being on the trail at 6.37 o'clock, there was nobody. Walking, ended up taking accidentally the long way around to this waterfall. At one point in time, I'm just kind of moseying along, looking around, and I'm stopped dead in my tracks. I look maybe 200 yards up the trail, and there is a herd of bison. And by herd, 25 to 30, standing in the middle of the trail. I'm like, okay, well, how the fuck am I going to get around this thing? So I take the long way around, and I'm staring at this group the whole time. Just like, all right, guys, you stay over there. We'll stay over here. It's all good. That was fine. Ended up coming back. And I got into, I got back to one of the more heavily trafficked areas of the trail. And I'm just walking along. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been to Yellowstone? No. I had never been before. And it was, I was not aware that every single person who enters that, um, national forest is going to be is led to believe that they're going to encounter a bear all times i am walking through like this this very heavily wooded area by myself and i hear kind of rustling and i'm just like walking up clapping i'm making loud noises i'm like all right bears you stay there i'll stay here So I get back to this uh, more heavily trafficked trail. It's maybe 8, 830. I'm just kind of walking around, not paying much attention. All of a sudden, so this is encounter number two. I hear, and a 
bison had saw me before I saw him. And if you want to watch your, if you want to experience your butthole pucker up so fast, have something like that happen. I look up, he's probably about 20 yards away. And in those moments, all you can do is talk out loud. Right. So I'm like, Hey brother, you scared the hell out of me. (laughs) I walk not 50 yards down this trail. There is another one. And he's only maybe 10 feet away from the trail itself. Now I'm on my way back to my vehicle. So I need to go this way. Yeah. He's five feet away from, he's now five feet away from the trail. He's crouching closer and closer. The only way to get around this guy is to, um, is to take a long, the long trip off the trail around. The problem is that there's the trail and 30, 40 yards away is a cliff. It's edge of a cliff. So for me to take the long way around, I got to get relatively close to the edge of the cliff. I'm doing it and I'm just watching this guy the whole time. And as I get to about the apex of coming around him, he's across the trail now and looking at me in my soul. We're eye to eye and I'm just, don't you fucking do it. (laughs) Don't you do it, man. You stay over there. (laughs) Make it around. It all worked out fine. But uh, those were the, the encounters that I had that I was not expecting. Right. So that morning I'm in the, uh, I'm in the bathroom and they have this sheet of this sheet on the, uh, the towel dispenser says something to the effect of uh, stay away from the bison. People have been gored. You just don't realize what that provided me, what that entire experience provided me was some perspective of how fucking small and insignificant and um, easily just thrown about by something else that you are. That whole trip, just to see how big things are, the Badlands or uh, the Grand Canyon or Bryce Canyon, Yellowstone, the massiveness of it, Crater Lake in Oregon, provided me with some much needed perspective in a time when you know everyone myself included was hyper focused on how shitty life was it was the middle of covid right all you're thinking about is man this sucks the world's out to get me especially as a business owner in a state that is pretty restricted michigan was restricted at the time we were still doing outdoor workouts i got back we moved back indoors and uh, we've been indoors ever since. But that trip was something that I will do again. And if you have not, I highly encourage getting out to the West of America because shit is crazy out there, man. <laughs> it's awesome. Talk about perspective, right? And I love that you you wanted to go to the national parks. One of my wife and I have this dream of um, one owning a little mobile tiny home van, something like that, and two having the time and making the time to get out to most of those. We've done, I want to say, fifteen now national parks. 
awesome. A lot. Most of them out West. I mean, most of them are West of New York, at least. It's none in New York. Um, I had a similar like epiphany kind of experience. Um, back in September, we went out to Washington state during the, this is like, just before your trip, I believe, Cody. During all those fires, uh, Washington State had some insane amount of forest fires to a point where as we're flying into the airport, red, red smoke. Oh. And the air quality super low. Like people were wearing masks, not because of COVID. Um, but we, we hiked um, Mount Rainier uh, National Park, um, and I've I've summited Mount Rainier. I got a tattoo of it right here. Awesome. Um, but I wanted to take my wife there and a few friends. Uh, couldn't summit because you need permits and gear. We did. We went. We wanted to go up halfway to uh, this base camp viewpoint. <clears throat> um, well, one, we left at midnight to start the hike, and the goal was get to the point we wanted to get to for sunrise. And I'll share a photo with you, Cody. Uh, man, b most beautiful, picturesque view. Um, and we had to stop. We said I had to stop about halfway up because we didn't have the right gear. The conditions were just so poor. Um, but middle of the night, pitch black, we got above the smoke. Above the where the smoke was able to go from all the forest fires. And suddenly the sky opened up and I don't know if you've ever seen the midnight sky in the middle of no, literally the middle of nowhere, three hours from the nearest city, which is Seattle or uh, Tacoma, Washington. Trillions of stars. I mean, like we, we literally laid down on the floor and it, and the, the temperature was like minus 10 and we're bundled up and, I'm, and we're with friends. And we just laid down on the floor and stared at the sky. And I felt like I was on a trip, man. And I've never done, I've never done psychedelics um, more than microdosing um, yet. And I felt like that would be a really parallel experience. When you look, when you look around and you feel, suddenly you feel entrenched in the stars your body feels um, like it's part of that. That's amazing. And the world just the world just changes. And then the sun came up, and you see the mountain that you're on. And if you're familiar with um, Mount Rainier, it's the largest volcano in the United States. Also, the most prominent mountain, meaning from from the bottom to the top, base to summit, um, most elevation gain compared to the surrounding area, mm -hmm. basically zero to 14,000 just picks up and you're on this within this. Um, picture an ant um, in your town. That's how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> really lends perspective to the fact that everything we do and everything we believe and everything we cultivate has so much significance to us yet so little significance to the rest of the world. Yeah. 
So what's important? Those, those experiences. Um, I had a crazy experience in Death Valley on this same trip, right? So we're, I'm, I went by myself on this trip. So I'm doing all of this hiking alone. Uh, I think it was Yellow, Yellow Canyon, maybe was the name of the trail. Death Valley is hot. Super hot. And it's noon. I hadn't really planned out the trip all that well. So I'm hiking at probably the hottest time that it can be in Death Valley. I get to the end of the trail and you get to climb up this little ridge and uh, you can see how far you've come kind of a deal. It's about 103 degrees, just scorching. And I get up to this and I look out over this space and I was overwhelmed with this feeling that we don't belong here. Human beings are not meant to exist in this space. And then that starts to extrapolate itself, right? Out to, um, well, maybe, maybe we don't belong on this planet. Maybe uh, we're the aliens. So this fucking rabbit hole I go down to as I'm probably dehydrated and super hot in Death <laughs> Valley is uh, what are the odds that we landed here 10,000 years ago <clears throat> as some sort of an alien species? I, I, I ask people, I was like, do you know how far back your genealogy goes? Like the last hundred years, a couple hundred years is the best answer that I've gotten. Cool. Is it reasonable to think that maybe we crash landed here 10,000, 5,000, 8,000 years ago? And that part of the story just got left out. And then you go from all of this scenic nature, right? And I'm in Death Valley and my next stop is Las Vegas, Nevada. And I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas, but I don't ever need to go back. It is. That's how I feel about Reno. Oh, it is, it is everything that's wrong with the human species. It stinks like garbage. There's far too many people. It's a desert town. It's hot. It, does, it just doesn't belong there. And it was an interesting contrast of experience, right? And again, more perspective. And you get to take those little things. I imagine that people need to put themselves in situations where they are the smallest thing in their, in their surrounding area, whether it be, um, you know, the smallest thing geographically, or maybe you're a learner, you're a beginner, you don't understand something. That's one of the cool things about CrossFit, right? When it all got started was you got to learn these new things and there was opportunity. I don't believe that enough people do that frequently enough. Back to your, back to your conversation, getting out of their comfort zone. We get so, we're comfort seeking creatures. We're so interested in comfort. And I imagine that comfort leads to complacency and complacency ultimately leads to demise. Get out, see some big shit, realize how small you actually are. For me, what are some it, for me it's water when i go to the, when i go to the ocean when i uh when 
when my wife and I went to uh, Cedar Point and, you know, and I really was able to understand because we because we drove we drove over to Cleveland and then we drove over to Erie and I was really able to understand just how big Lake Erie was. The fact that I just drove four hours along the edge of the same lake, like um, and then when we took our we, we took our inflatable kayak like out onto the lake a little bit. And it was the furthest I had ever been out like on open water like that. And I was like, I'm, I'm freaking minuscule. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, we got to a point where, you know, like the shore looked tiny. And when we looked the other way, it was just water. And I was like, okay, this is a good spot to hang out. We'll just, We'll just hang out right here. And, you know, when I visit the ocean and the, the, the waves are a little rough and, you know, they're crashing against you and you can feel it just pull you. And um, there's another spot in near here where I live. It's, it's called Rock Run. And it's just on the edge of a, it's on the edge of a mountain and the water is frigid year round. And, um, and there's a spot that you can walk back to where there's a small waterfall and it's almost like a cold tub. Like you can sit in this cold tub and when when the water like if it rained within a few days the water has an excessive amount of force and it just it like it it has full control of you you know you 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 cannot go into a panic situation and be in that position at the same time um and that's always you know that that's those are the moments where I feel the most alive is when I'm like, man, water is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I could die at any moment. That's when I feel the most alive. Exactly. Exactly. I feel that. Do you, do you feel that, you know, uh, we chase that maybe too much? That we chase that feeling yeah. of, of which feeling? The feeling of being a little too close to the edge? Yeah. I, I imagine the opposite to be true. I imagine that most people spend most of their lives trying to be as far away from that feeling as possible. So maybe I just chase it too much. <laughs> I think it's, I think you should. I think more people should more frequently, right? It's all, it's, it's the same perspective thing. It's getting out of your comfort zone. It's finding things. It's cultivating fortitude. It's finding things that scare you a little bit or that you're unsure of and reminding yourself that you're, you're up, you're fucking alive. Is that what that means to you? The cultivating fortitude? A part of it. It's not the whole thing and it's a piece of it, right? We need to encounter adversity and you can label adversity however you want. It can be physical. It can be psychological. It can be emotional. But if we don't, if we don't brush up against these things frequently enough, we stagnate. And I believe that stagnation, um, you know, stagnant water is where disease festers. How can people dip their toes into this? Because a lot of this stuff we just talked about is deep and scary and Matt, well, massive, like huge. We're talking about huge experiences. Can people dip their toes in a little bit at a time? Get used to the cold water. I think the adversity piece is best suited in a controlled environment. You do that in the gym. 
right? You brush up against things that are outside of your current capacities, your skill set, things that might scare you a little bit. If you're a more introverted personality, do something that involves a group. Dude, I took a, I took a pole fitness class, a couple's pole fitness class two weeks ago. It was awesome. I've Dude, you look good on that pole, just saying. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Got them thick thighs, son. <laughs> I have never done that before, but I, my story is that I'm open to experience. I wasn't always that way. There's, there was a time not too long ago when I've been like, oh man, I'm too cool for that. Or that's below me. That's silly. Something like that. And when people close themselves off from the opportunities like that, you don't know what you're missing. If you need a controlled environment, go to a gym. It's a small thing. And sometimes you just got to fucking go all in. You got to jump. Mm. You got to take that two-week trip, that thing you've been putting off. Yeah, I got some big plans. I want to do an ayahuasca retreat in Peru. I want to get it. All of these things are because I'm open to experience. That's the story that I tell. When are you going to do that? As soon as the world opens back up. The plan was to do it for my birthday, which is in May. And I don't know if everything's going to be open by then. So it's... It's uh, not a, you're putting it off. It's a, you're literally not allowed. Yeah. He's waiting for the opportunity and then he's going to take it. I am open. I just need the opportunity to present itself. Can I come with you? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. It's been on my list for a long time and my wife is all for it. Yeah. Those, we're so frightened. We're so frightened to experience life. And all of those demons, monsters, and dragons, most of them are created in our imagination. Yo. And it sucks because we end up playing small. I was scared for, so I own Fortitude Strength from 2015 and from 2015 to the middle of 2017, I was a part-time gym owner. I had a, I had an air quotes, real job. Hmm. I worked in a trailer factory and that's what brought home most of the money. I worked into a very comfortable position where I made a $65,000 a year salary sitting behind a computer and designing RVs. And then life slapped me in the face on uh, in December of 2016, I came home one day and I found my father dead on my couch. And you want to talk about fucking adversity, man. I was slapped in the face with how short and finite and small this thing really is. He was 59. And if that was true at that point in time, I was close to halfway to that, that age. And I, In the moment, I remembered a lot of his story, his, I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have taken this opportunity. And I was overcome with the feeling that if I didn't act now, I was going to end up in a similar fashion. And it was six months later that I had quit that job and I started working full-time at the gym and it was hard. And I didn't know if I was going to make it. And it's been one of the most fulfilling decisions I ever made. The final gift that my father gave me was he was the catalyst for me making that decision. 
And I don't know if that, if, if I didn't come up into that situation, if I would have made the same decision. Damn. Where? Uh, yeah. How do where we, was your confidence? We where was your confidence at the time, Cody? Uh, and to just back up a second. Um, one, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's a, a moment I'm sure you've revisited in your head a lot. A lot. Um, we start to invest in ourselves when we believe in ourselves, right? The, the people who are willing to shell out a few grand for on-ramp sessions at our gym have confidence in themselves to follow through, right? It's that I trust myself piece, the hardest one to earn. And I was at a point too, part-time coach, full-time job because it felt safe, because I was missing some confidence in my own abilities. So when you went home that day and saw your father, where was your confidence and how did that change for you? Up until this point, I had always kind of figured it out. So I went to college, not really with any plan on what the future might look like, but I played football. So that was a, you know, I'll figure this whole college thing out. I ended up transferring to a different school. I went and played like division three football, which is cool and all, but it's not, you're not going to the pros or anything. Right. I ended up transferring to a larger school, Western Michigan university. And I missed that, that team thing, that, that, that contact sport. So I contacted the rugby coach there. I asked him, I said, Hey, I'm coming from this school. I played a little football, never played rugby. I'd like to give it a shot. What do you think? He ends up emailing me back telling me that, uh, you know, come to practice on this day at this time and we'll see how it goes. I did that for two years. And by the second year I was starting on the varsity squad at a division one club team in a nationally ranked um, team. I figured it out. I didn't know how to play rugby. In the trailer factory, I started on the ground floor. I started in a department called routing where I cut out windows and slide outs and it was a piece rate job, which means you work as hard as you can and you get the job done, right? You get, you get X amount of work to do and whether it takes you four hours or 12 hours, you make the same amount of money. So you're incentivized to run your ass off. And that's what we did. We used to call it running. I figured that I figured that out. The design engineer job that I got in that same company was an opportunity that presented itself. And I didn't have any AutoCAD experience. So as a design engineer, you created 2D and 3D models of travel trailers and fifth wheels from the chassis all the way to the roof and everything in between the sidewalls, the cabinets, the counters, the bathroom, everything gets created in a 2d space. I'd never used AutoCAD before, but when the head of the department asked me, I lied. I said, yeah, I had some in college or I had, I, I did it in high school because I believed in my ability to figure it out. And I did within a year I had, I was the lead design engineer 
of one of the most expensive fifth wheels in America. So I knew I could figure it out. That was the confidence piece. What I needed at the time probably was, was a sense of urgency. I didn't have that. I always figured, you know, as the gym owner, eh, you know, when it, when it starts to make some money, that's when I'll be able to make the transition. When I, when I have more time, that's when I'll be able to do it. What my father provided me was urgency. He's like, listen, motherfucker, you better get going. That's what I made the decision to do. And it was scary and it was hard. And, you know, fuck, man, two years ago, I got Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy is, um, is a combination of stress, inflammation uh, around a nerve. What happened? This side of my face froze. So I couldn't close my eye. And this side of my face wouldn't work. Uh, very much like this. I stressed myself into a physiological reaction doing this thing. It hasn't been easy. My little brother talked to me about this the other day, yesterday, as a matter of fact, he goes, I finally see why you choose to work for yourself. And I told him, brother, I love you, but don't get, don't get confused in what you see now with what the road has been or is. It's hard. And a lot of things are hard. You get to choose which kind of adversity you want to brush up against. You can choose the adversity of comfortability, which leaves you fat, unfulfilled, sad, lonely. Or you can choose to push into your greatness. Your, your, you can cultivate your fortitude. You can find out the person that you are supposed to be. I don't know if that answers the question. No, oh, it's money in the bank. <laughs> All right answers, Cody. All <laughs> Thanks, right <Mark>. answers. <laughs> uh, one thing has been on my mind, and uh, pretty sure this will wrap us up, is you reached out to us. What prompted you to say, hey, man, let's record a, let's record a show? That's, yeah. that's been intriguing me like since the moment it happened. I would really love to hear that. I've been keeping up with Matt uh, for a long time, and I'm very impressed with a lot of stuff that he's doing. And, and the prompt was an assignment from level two and then lifted. Okay. Get on, get on podcasts. So I had Mark on last week. I've got a ton of the uh, and lifted guys coming up on our podcast. We're just, I'm going hard in this podcast game right now, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So next up is you guys coming on, uh, on fortitude radio. Well, let's set a time. Let's do it. Matt, you got anything else? As always, um, this conversation was, uh, exactly what I expected to be <laughs> a, rabbit hole <laughs> and and i could keep going i, I had and, no idea what i was getting into <laughs> yeah and that you know that makes that's motivating for sure good good to um 
you know, we, we put ourselves in these positions. We put ourselves here. This was a matter of, of choice. And for people listening, you, you can put yourselves here too, right? If, if that's something you're looking for, if you're looking for that self-improvement and that challenge, that adversity, I believe what we're doing and how we're doing it is going to change the world as always. Um, listeners share this, share it, share it, share it. I saw a post today um, about how Instagram works, the, uh, the algorithms and, you know, you could get as many likes as you want. It doesn't change anything about how um, the message gets out, but when people share, your message, people share your posts, stuff like that, it um, exponentially increases the value in that specific post. Uh, we, we speak so much, we talk so much, and we have a lot to say. We've got a lot of insight. Cody, thank you for sharing yours today. Ron, thank you for asking all the right questions. You got it. Um, Thanks, guys. This love you dope. both. Yeah. If you loved this podcast, then share it. Tell all your friends. Hit the copy button, copy the link. Choose five friends in your contact list on your phone and send it out. Let them know what they can expect from it too. Because we are on a mission here to change the world and we want to help as many people as possible. So if you know anyone who can benefit from hearing what we have to say or what our guests have to say, then send it over. It's not going to do them any good if they don't hear it. Another way you can support us and support the podcast is really simply go on to Apple or go on to Spotify and rate the thing. Give us a five-star review. Write us a little note. Let us know how we're doing. Shoot us a DM on Instagram, whatever it takes. Let us know so we know that we're on the right track. And we know that we're providing content that is actually relevant to what you are needing and what you are looking for. And if it's not, hey, maybe we can help. So do your job. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it.